You know that mass surveillance program exposed by Snowden? Turns out it was illegal. This is a brief Reuters article by Raphael Satter. Seven years after former National Security Agency contractor Edward Snowden blew the whistle on the mass surveillance of Americans' telephone records, an appeals court has found the program was unlawful and that the U.S. intelligence leaders who publicly defended it were not telling the truth. As an aside, I was noticing on Twitter this morning that a lot of shitlibs were defending the FBI recently for something else they did. Shitlibs in general tend to trust intelligence agencies. If you don't want to be a shitlib, don't trust intelligence agencies. In case some of your shitlib friends say, I'm not a shitlib, I voted for Bernie in the primaries, then you should tell them, shitlib definition, I voted for Bernie in the primaries and for a corporate sock puppet in the general election. If they have any questions about it, refer them to me. Back to the story. In a ruling handed down on Wednesday, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit said the warrantless telephone dragnet that secretly collected millions of Americans' telephone records violated the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act and may well have been unconstitutional. Snowden, who fled to Russia in the aftermath of the 2013 disclosures and still faces U.S. espionage charges, said on Twitter that the ruling was a vindication of his decision to go public with evidence of the National Security Agency's domestic eavesdropping operation. I never imagined that I would live to see our courts condemn the NSA's activities as unlawful and in the same ruling credit me for exposing them, Snowden said in a message posted to Twitter. Evidence that the NSA was secretly building a vast database of U.S. telephone records, the who, the how, the when, and the where of millions of mobile calls, was the first and arguably the most explosive of the Snowden revelations published by the Guardian newspaper in 2013. Up until that moment, top intelligence officials publicly insisted the NSA never knowingly collected information on Americans at all. After the program's exposure, U.S. officials fell back on the argument that the spying had played a crucial role in fighting domestic extremism, citing in particular the case of four San Diego residents who were accused of providing aid to religious fanatics in Somalia. U.S. officials insisted that the four were convicted in 2013 thanks to the NSA's telephone record spying, but the Ninth Circuit ruled Wednesday that those claims were inconsistent with the contents of the classified record. The ruling will not affect the convictions of the four defendants. The court ruled the illegal surveillance did not taint the evidence introduced at their trial. Nevertheless, watchdog groups, including the American Civil Liberties Union, which helped bring the case to appeal, welcomed the judge's verdict on the NSA's spy program. Today's ruling is a victory for our privacy rights, said the ACLU in a statement, saying it makes plain that the NSA's bulk collection of Americans' phone records violated the Constitution. You think? And now here's Glenn Greenwald's The Case for a Pardon of Edward Snowden by President Trump. The real criminals are those he exposed, the security state officials who illegally and unconstitutionally spied on innocent people by the millions and who still do so. A U.S. appellate court in September unanimously ruled that the NSA's program of mass domestic surveillance was illegal, as well as likely a violation of the Fourth Amendment's guarantee against unreasonable searches and seizures. 
The court and the broader public knew about this illegal mass surveillance program created by the NSA only because Edward Snowden, while working inside that agency, discovered its existence and concluded in 2012 that the American public has the right to know about what was being secretly done to them and their privacy by their own government. Upon making the decision to blow the whistle on this security state illegality, Snowden delivered the documents relating to that program and other then unknown systems of mass online surveillance, not by dumping them indiscriminately on the internet or selling them or passing them to foreign governments, but by providing them to journalists, including myself, with The Guardian, The Washington Post, and other news outlets. The documents Snowden provided were accompanied by requests to report them responsibly. He thus relinquished the power entirely to make decisions about which documents would and would not be published, leaving those decisions exclusively to news outlets. And this next point, dear viewers and listeners, is important. That meant that Snowden himself never made a single document publicly available. Every document that was reported was the result of decisions by newsrooms around the world that their publication would be in the public interest and would not endanger innocent people. That method of whistleblowing chosen by Snowden, patterned after the one Daniel Ellsberg used in 1971 to make the public aware of years of lying to the American public by the U.S. government about the Vietnam War, when he gave the top-secret Pentagon Papers to the New York Times and asked them to report it in the public interest, enabled journalists to inform the American citizenry about illegal and unconstitutional spying by the U.S. government in the most responsible manner possible. Indeed, the very first program we reported on June 6, 2013, was the mass domestic spying program which the appellate court just ruled was illegal and likely a violation of the constitutional rights of all Americans. That first article we published revealed a top-secret court order under which the National Security Agency is currently collecting the telephone records of millions of U.S. customers and required major telecommunications carriers on an ongoing daily basis to give the NSA information on all telephone calls in its systems, both within the U.S. and between the U.S. and other countries. The months of reporting that followed, all singularly enabled by Snowden's courageous whistleblowing, triggered so much vital public debate about privacy and mass surveillance and fostered so many legal and technological privacy reforms around the world that the reporting earned virtually every award journalism has to give, including the 2014 Pulitzer Prize for Public Service. For those who have not seen it, the 2014 documentary by Laura Poitras about the work Snowden did with journalists, Citizen Four, which received the 2015 Academy Award for Best Documentary, shows much of the Snowden story in real time and can be viewed on YouTube. The feature film Snowden, available on Netflix and other platforms, separately explores the trajectory which Snowden traversed from enlisted U.S. Army soldier, CIA contractor, and NSA expert to one of this generation's most consequential whistleblowers. I'll break in here and say that Snowden's level of patriotism is the highest I can imagine. Like other military people, he has taken an oath to protect and serve our country, and I think he did it better than anyone else I've heard of, other than Julian Assange, who isn't a U.S. citizen. If you want to teach your children about heroism, talk to them about Edward Snowden and Julian Assange. And while we're at it, let's give kudos to the journalists who will report on what Snowden and other whistleblowers release. Some 
journalists just get faxed articles directly from intelligence agencies and then publish them as their own. Here's the article I just read to you by Reuters. U.S. court mass surveillance program exposed by Snowden was illegal. The recent appellate court ruling in U.S. v. Mualin, issued on September 2nd, emphasized the U.S. surveillance state sustained lawbreaking. The Telephony Metadata Collection Program exceeded the scope of Congress's authorization and therefore violated that section of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, the court concluded, referring to the 1978 law requiring the government to first obtain warrants before spying on the communications of U.S. citizens. Though its ruling of illegality meant it was unnecessary to rule definitively on the program's unconstitutionality, the court nonetheless noted that the government may have violated the Fourth Amendment with this spying program and warned of the dangers of the collection of millions of people's telephony metadata and the ability to aggregate and analyze it. In ruling the NSA's mass surveillance program illegal, the court noted the indispensable role Snowden played in enabling the protection of Americans' rights. It was Snowden, explained the court, who made public the existence of NSA data collection programs. And the court added, Snowden's disclosure of the metadata program prompted significant public debate over the appropriate scope of government surveillance and ultimately led to reform. Congress passed the USA Freedom Act, which effectively ended the NSA's bulk telephony metadata collection program and also prohibited further bulk collection of phone records after November 28, 2015. Moreover, observed the court, it was news articles in the wake of the Snowden disclosures which revealed that the government had been using evidence derived from foreign intelligence surveillance in criminal prosecutions without notifying the defendants of the surveillance. This recent ruling is by no means the first time a court or other official body has declared illegal the spying programs which Snowden exposed. In 2015, CNN similarly reported that a federal appeals court ruled on Thursday that the telephone metadata collection program, under which the National Security Agency gathers up millions of phone records on an ongoing daily basis, is illegal under the Patriot Act. The New York Times reported in 2014 that an independent federal privacy watchdog has concluded that the National Security Agency's program to collect bulk phone call records has provided only minimal benefits in counterterrorism efforts, is illegal, and should be shut down. In 2018, The Guardian reported about the British equivalent of the NSA, GCHQ's methods for bulk interception of online communications violated privacy and failed to provide sufficient surveillance safeguards, the European Court of Human Rights has ruled. Abuses of power by these agencies continue in full force. More recently, the Justice Department's Inspector General found in 2019 that the FBI deceived the FISA court with false statements to obtain a warrant to spy on former Trump 2016 campaign official Carter Page. A former FBI lawyer pled guilty to doctoring emails to obtain those spying warrants. A Department of Justice report found more material errors from the FBI in the spying process in 2019. Late last year, the FISA court itself issued a strong and highly unusual public rebuke to the FBI, and the prior year found that the FBI may have violated the rights of potentially millions of Americans, including its own agents and informants, by improperly searching through information obtained by the National Security Agency's mass surveillance program. The Washington Post headline reads, 
Problems with FBI surveillance extended far beyond probe of Trump campaign, Justice Department Inspector General says. That is precisely the abuse Snowden acted to stop. And that is why the people and institutions across the political spectrum who have devoted themselves to protecting the right to privacy, safeguarding internet freedom, and combating the abuses of the security state have advocated a pardon for clemency for Snowden. The ACLU, Senator Rand Paul, The New York Times, Congressman Matt Goetz, Justin Amash, and Thomas Massey, Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard, internet pioneer Timothy Berners-Lee, Daniel Ellsberg, Apple co-founder Steve Wozniak and Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey, press freedom groups and international human rights and civil liberties groups. They have all argued that Snowden deserves clemency or a pardon. Meanwhile, so many of the arguments against pardoning Snowden and demanding his lifelong imprisonment or exile come from the very security state operatives whose crimes he exposed. That includes John Brennan and James Clapper, along with their hawkish and neocon allies such as Susan Rice and Liz Cheney. And to make their case, these deep state operatives and warmongers rely upon one demonstrable lie after the next. Indeed, it was their blatant lies in the first place that prompted Snowden to knowingly risk his liberty by revealing the existence of these mass surveillance programs. Now this next part shows you, dear viewers and listeners, why Glenn Greenwald is singularly qualified to write this article. The first contact Snowden made with a journalist about the possibility of whistleblowing was a pseudonymous email he sent to me in December 2012. Whoa, dude! But what solidified with finality his decision to blow the whistle was watching President Obama's senior national security official, Director of National Intelligence James Clapper, commit a felony when he blatantly lied to the Senate on March 12, 2013, by falsely denying, when asked by Senator Ron Wyden from Oregon, that the NSA collects any type of data at all on millions or hundreds of millions of Americans. When Clapper told that lie, Snowden was holding the documents in his hand that proved that the NSA was doing exactly that which Clapper, in his public testimony, denied that it was doing. In other words, he knew for a fact that the senior national security official in the U.S. government lied to the American people and the Senate about the mass spying they were conducting against Americans. And let me break in here and say that happened on Obama's watch. A person in Snowden's position acting with just and noble motives would be impelled to disclose, not conceal, the truth, and that's exactly what Snowden did. The real criminals were security officials like James Clapper for criminally lying to the Senate and his colleagues in the secret surveillance state who illegally spied on entire populations. He then includes a photograph of War Stories Fire James Clapper. The director of national intelligence lied to Congress about NSA surveillance. What else will he lie about? This is me. If it's a spook like Clapper, you should assume he lies about pretty much everything. And while I'm at it, let's condemn another spook. How about Pete Buttigieg? Why do we want spooks in politics? Why do we want spooks talking to us on MSNBC? Why should anyone trust them? This is the caption under the photo of Clapper. If President Obama really does welcome a debate about the scope of the U.S. surveillance program, a good first step would be to fire Director of National Intelligence James Clapper. But James Clapper was never prosecuted for lying to the Senate. In fact, he did not even lose his job. 
He served as director of national intelligence for another three years until the end of the Obama administration. And now this proven liar, like so many security state agents, works inside the corporate media delivering the news for CNN. How can anyone justify wanting to see Edward Snowden rot in prison for life while the real powerful criminals whom he exposed, such as James Clapper, go free and thrive? Who besides a craven authoritarian would regard that as a just outcome? I'll say that the shitlibs who consume mainstream media might also make the same case. They're listening to this guy on the regular. I don't care what anyone says. Shitlibs who voted for Bernie in the primaries are no better than anyone else if they vote for corporate sock puppets in general elections. If you vote for any corporatist, you are a fucking shitlib. And if you listen to mainstream news other than to critique it, you're a shitlib. Because if you're listening to mainstream news, you're going to hear people like James Clapper talking to you on the regular. Back to Glenn. Speaking of proven liars, those who oppose a pardon of Snowden do so by invariably lying about him and what he did. Why would they do that? It's because the reality is that he acted honorably and for noble ends. So they have to manufacture falsehoods to justify their demands that a hero be punished. Take for instance the completely fabricated accusations voiced Sunday night by Congresswoman Liz Cheney from Wyoming, daughter of the former vice president and key ally of pro-war House Democrats in blocking Trump's plan to withdraw troops from Afghanistan and Germany. To justify her opposition to a Snowden pardon, she just lied outright. Here's a tweet by Liz Cheney. Edward Snowden is a traitor. He is responsible for the largest and most damaging release of classified info in U.S. history. He handed over U.S. secrets to Russian and Chinese intelligence, putting our troops and our nation at risk. Pardoning him would be unconscionable. Well, that pretty much tells me everything I need to know about Liz Cheney. That Snowden handed over U.S. secrets to Russian and Chinese intelligence is every bit as much of a lie as those told by her dad in 2002 about Saddam's nuclear weapons stockpiles and alliance with Al-Qaeda. She just manufactured this accusation out of thin air. Nobody can ever prove a negative. Therefore, nobody can proffer dispositive proof that Snowden, or for that matter, Liz Cheney, did not turn over U.S. secrets to the governments in Beijing and Moscow, but the burden of proof is on those hurling accusations of this sort to produce evidence for it, and she has none. That's because none exists. But that does not stop endless war advocates like Liz Cheney from saying it anyway, precisely because Liz Cheney is a compulsive liar who will say anything to manipulate the public, just like her father taught her to do. The same is true of former CIA director and proven pathological liar John Brennan. On Monday, he echoed the same false allegations as Liz Cheney did in order to defend James Clapper and attack Senator Paul for advocating a pardon for Snowden. The original tweet was by Senator Rand Paul who said, James Clapper brazenly lied to Congress denying that the deep state was spying on all Americans. Snowden simply revealed Clapper's lies and exposed unconstitutional spying. He deserves a pardon from Donald Trump. But John O. Brennan says, Jim Clapper has had a lifetime of dedicated and selfless service to America. Edward Snowden betrayed his country, providing exceptionally sensitive intelligence to China and Russia. You consistently demonstrate utter ignorance of U.S. national security. Well, if that's ignorance, that's the kind of ignorance I want. 
If there is any lesson we ought to have learned over the past two decades, it is that nobody should believe the claims of national security operatives without substantial evidence being presented. For anyone who wants to claim or believe that Snowden handed over secrets to Russia and or China, you should demand evidence first. Where is it? What makes this claim even more dishonest is that it exploits the fact that the U.S. government forced Snowden against his will to stay in Russia. Snowden's original plan, as has been amply documented, was to fly from Hong Kong after providing us with the archive and reviewing key documents, then transit through Moscow on his way to South America, where he intended to seek asylum in Ecuador or Bolivia. But he was trapped in the Moscow International Airport because the U.S. State Department under John Kerry invalidated his passport while he was in transit, and then Vice President Joe Biden threatened and coerced every other country considering offering him asylum or allowing him safe passage to South America, as he did with Cuba, which withdrew its offer of safe transit. A 2013 NPR headline tells part of that story. Biden asks Ecuador to deny Snowden asylum. That was before he obtained asylum in Russia, something he was forced by Obama officials and Biden himself to do. And that tells me a lot about Joe Biden. The fact that he's a racist rapist is bad enough. And this also is purely horrible. To me, Biden equals the deep state. So U.S. officials first prevented Snowden from leaving Russia and then, with such audacity and dishonesty, have for years exploited the fact that he's in Russia to manipulate public opinion and smear him as a Kremlin agent. And, as is true for all such allegations that a U.S. citizen is working for Moscow, the accusation is tossed out routinely without any evidence because there is none. Then there's the allegation that Snowden caused harm to national security or to innocent people, a claim that has been made against every whistleblower for decades who exposes corruption and criminality by the security state. Just as is true of the claim that Snowden sold or provided secrets to the governments of Russia and China, one should not even consider accepting the truth of this claim absent evidence to corroborate it. Where is this evidence? Who was harmed by this NSA reporting? Not a single example or piece of evidence has been furnished in response to those questions, with the defenders of NSA opting to just repeat the accusation over and over in the hope that people will assume that it is true by virtue of its repetition. But even if such harm could be established, the argument depends upon a complete distortion of the process used by Snowden to blow the whistle on deep state criminality. Again, there is not one document from the NSA archive that was published because Snowden chose for it to be published. He used the opposite method for whistleblowing, recognizing that he should not have the power as a single individual to make choices about which documents should and should not be published. He instead gave the archive to journalists and asked that we make those decisions editorially in as responsible a manner possible, guided by the standard journalistic public interest assessment. That means that if there were documents that people believe should not have been disclosed, the choice to publish those documents rested with the top editors at leading media outlets, The Guardian, The Washington Post, The New York Times, NBC News, and other outlets around the world, not with Snowden, who was never even consulted on these choices. 
Once Snowden realized the magnitude of criminality, deceit, and corruption inside the security state, he concluded that the most just course was to turn over to journalists a massive archive regarding these programs so that it was not up to him to curate in advance which documents should be seen by the public, but instead leave it to experienced journalists to make those determinations. Then there's the claim, based on a substantial set of falsehoods, that Snowden somehow acted improperly by fleeing the U.S. to seek refuge in Russia rather than submitting himself to the U.S. justice system in order to make his case. A falsehood-drenched allegation voiced most memorably by Obama National Security Advisor Susan Rice to Charlie Rose in 2014. Edward Snowden, in an interview with Brian Williams, said he'd been trained as a spy, and B, Nothing that he had disclosed, there was no evidence that had done damage to any person. And that the government has not cited one person that was damaged because of his disclosures. Was he trained as a spy? Has his information damaged any person that we can identify? He was not trained as a spy. We have no idea where that assertion comes from. And has Edward Snowden done damage? He's done immense damage to the national security of the United States uh, in ways that I wish I could describe uh, in public, oh, yeah. but I cannot. But indeed, the revelations, the illegal unauthorized revelations of Snowden have given our enemies, particularly terrorists, including al-Qaeda, insights into how we... Um, gain information and intelligence on them that have enabled them to change the way they operate and be much more difficult to track. Oh. That's just one example. Are we in negotiations to bring him back under any kind of considerations that he would do something and, and we would therefore allow him to come back? And, and what? What are our conditions for him coming back to the United that States? He, that he stand trial. Nothing else? No. And by the way, we've got the best justice system in the world oh, with yeah. all the uh, the protections for defendants that, that, that anybody anywhere could hope for. Uh, he, he faces very serious uh, charges. Uh, he should come back and, and, and face them in court. Uh, and if his, uh, if his intentions are honorable, as he claims, which is hard to imagine given the damage he's done, then he ought to be brave enough to, to face the justice system that... Uh, that is the, the the foundation of the country he loves. Holy or says shit! He loves. This is or says he loves. You're saying he can't love this country. Oh my fucking I'm not, god! I'm not going to speak for him. They're questioning the patriotism of probably the most patriotic person you'll ever hear about in your lifetime. Well, that tells me everything I need to know about Susan Rice. The claim that Snowden should have or could have come back to the U.S. to convince a jury that what he did was justified is nothing short of a lie. Under the archaic statute which the Obama administration aggressively used to prosecute more whistleblowers than all previous administrations combined, the Espionage Act of 1917, someone is automatically guilty if they provide classified information to a person who is unauthorized to receive it, including a journalist, and they are absolutely barred even from raising a justification defense in court. So we should trust her, Susan Rice that is, because she was lying through her teeth. They should prosecute her. Back to Glenn. In other words, as Susan Rice well knows, Snowden would not be able to return to the U.S. and try to convince a jury of his peers that what he did was justified because the law under which they chose to prosecute him does not allow a defendant even to raise that as a defense. 
Instead, this old statute ensures a rigged process where a guilty verdict is all but inevitable. That's precisely why Obama officials and security state operatives used this 103-year-old law, originally designed by Woodrow Wilson to criminalize dissent from U.S. participation in World War I against whistleblowers who exposed their crimes not by acting with foreign governments, but with journalists. When The Hill asks President Trump, do you want to give Edward Snowden a pardon and bring him back, President Trump said, I'm going to look at it. And then Susan Rice says, I just can't. Congratulations, GOP. This is who you are now. Well, at this point, I would consider the GOP the lesser evil if you're considering the Obama-Biden spook administration. Back to Glenn. Then there's the reality that, as Daniel Ellsberg argued in a Washington Post op-ed about Snowden's leaving the U.S. headlined, NSA leaker Snowden made the right call, those who are now accused of endangering national security have essentially no chance of obtaining a fair trial in the U.S. The country I stayed in was a different America a long time ago, Ellsberg wrote, adding, I hope Snowden's revelations will spark a movement to rescue our democracy, but he could not be part of that movement had he stayed here. There is zero chance that he would be allowed out on bail if he returned now, and close to no chance that, had he not left the country, he would have been granted bail. Instead, he would be in a prison cell like Chelsea Manning, incommunicado. He would almost certainly be confined in total isolation, even longer than the more than eight months Manning suffered during her three years of imprisonment before her trial began recently. Snowden believes that he has done nothing wrong. I agree wholeheartedly. More than 40 years after my unauthorized disclosure of the Pentagon Papers, such leaks remain the lifeblood of a free press and our republic. One lesson of the Pentagon Papers and Snowden's leaks is simple. Secrecy corrupts just as power corrupts. But Snowden's contribution to the noble cause of restoring the First, Fourth, and Fifth Amendments to the Constitution is in his documents. It depends in no way on his reputation or estimates of his character or motives, still less on his presence in a courtroom arguing the current charges or his living the rest of his life in prison. Nothing worthwhile would be served, in my opinion, by Snowden voluntarily surrendering to U.S. authorities given the current state of the law. And that tells me that Daniel Ellsberg is a true patriot as well. Back to Glenn. The idea that you must meekly submit to the world's most aggressive prison state, where the rules are made by the very high officials whose crimes you exposed, is authoritarian dreck. Snowden well knew, when he decided to inform his fellow citizens of these systems of mass surveillance, that there was a very high probability that he would end up in a maximum security U.S. prison for decades, if not the rest of his life. That's precisely what made Snowden's actions so courageous. How many people would be willing to make that sacrifice? But that does not mean Snowden has some moral obligation to help an unjust state keep him in a cage for life out of vindictive vengeance because he exposed their crimes. President Trump has on two occasions indicated that he was considering the possibility of pardoning Snowden. A pardon is not only just on its own terms, but would also be an expression of exactly the reason the U.S. Constitution vests the unilateral pardon power in the U.S. President. 
to prevent the abuse of the justice system for vindictive ends or to shield abuses of official power by those who operate in the dark. My arguments for why the ongoing attempted extradition and prosecution of Julian Assange is also a massive abuse of power having been set forth in prior articles as well as in a show I produced on the topic. Here's a tweet by Glenn Greenwald. If Trump follows through on a pardon of Snowden, it would be a huge victory against CIA slash FBI slash NSA abuses. Everyone from Rand Paul, Matt Goetz, and Tulsi Gabbard to ACLU, Bernie Sanders, and New York Times have advocated this. The only angry ones would be Brennan, Clapper, Comey, and Susan Rice. And I would add, who are the true criminals? Brennan, Clapper, Comey, and Rice. Even if you're someone who believes that Snowden ought to be punished in some way, and I am not, he has been. Seven years in exile, separated from your friends, family, and fellow citizens in a country in which you never chose to live and to which you have no connections is a serious deprivation. That is particularly true now that Snowden's longtime partner, his American wife, Lindsay Mills, announced that the couple is expecting their first child in January, a son who will automatically be a U.S. citizen and who should have the right to live with both of his parents in his country of citizenship. For decades, it was a staple of left-wing politics that the CIA and the secret security state, long referred to by scholars as the deep state, pose a grave threat to core democratic values and constitutional rights. Over the last five years, beginning with the 2016 election, the Trump movement and Trump himself have seen up close and personal how easily and casually those powers are abused and how destructive are the results, as the president himself said when he told the New York Post why he was considering this pardon. A pardon of Edward Snowden would be one of the greatest blows against deep state abuse of secrecy and spying power in decades probably the most significant act since President Eisenhower's 1961 warnings in his farewell address about the growing anti-democratic dangers of the military-industrial complex, or at the very least, the mid-1970s reforms of the intelligence community. A pardon of Snowden by Trump would prompt bipartisan cheering across the U.S. and would engender support globally across the ideological spectrum. The only ones angered by it would be exactly those people, John Brennan, James Clapper, Jim Comey, Susan Rice, whose ongoing ability to abuse their spying power against the U.S. population depends upon their vindictive use of the justice system to destroy the lives of those who reveal their crimes. So yes, Glenn Greenwald is calling these four people criminals, and criminals they are. How many in the mainstream population are getting this word? As usual, people, it's up to us. We need to do our job as patriotic citizens in spreading messages like Glenn's.